Um, it's, it's good to be here, but uh, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Barry Daimani. Uh, I pastor a home church at Chick-fil-A, and I am married to my beautiful wife, Justenia. We got three daughters, and we just had a baby shower to celebrate our new son who will be coming due December 9th. And so, uh, yeah, God is good. But uh, a little bit about myself. Uh, I grew up in the church. Uh, some have heard my story, but... Uh, my father got saved in May 25th, 1985, and in this time of my life, I was only two, but growing up in the church, uh, we were part of the First Tongan Assembly of God Church in San Carlos, uh, so a Pentecostal church, so we were like tied to uh, Harbor Light. Uh, we would be involved with, with, uh, with that ministry, but growing up in the church, um, we went to church religiously, and it was Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, um, and I'm so grateful for that upbringing. I'm so grateful for the foundation of Jesus that was in my family, but we did have a lot of legalism. There was, there was a, we grew up in a very legalistic home, um, and, and I, I want to be careful how I, how I say that because I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that upbringing, um, but I was taught that if I did this, I'm going to go there. Um, I was taught that... Um, that I needed to be perfect, and uh, it was really hard because at the age of five, I was uh, sexually molested, and um, this was a part of my life that I'm in church, and I'm taught to be perfect, uh, but nobody sees this, this pain that's happening. Um, for years, five years old, I'm introduced to pornography. And so as I grow older, um, I'm being exposed to these images. I'm being exposed to this treatment. As I get older, I realize that um, I don't feel perfect. The perfect that my parents want me to be, I don't feel this. And so as I got older, I had an animosity towards my parents, I had animosity towards God. I didn't understand this God that they were teaching me about. And so uh, as I got older, I really became a violent kid. There was a lot of that behavior. So I deal with trauma-induced mental illness that, that, that stems from that abuse. But as I got older, I would lash out violently to the people closest to me. Um, but I would also, uh, I also got involved into gangs. And as I was in that season of my life, I went to jail and I was taught about Jesus but I never had a relationship with him. I didn't know what that even meant. And so growing up in Sunday school, you hear all the stories, but it was once I was in jail or hit rock bottom, I said this prayer from the heart. I said, God, if you're real, show me. And the things that happened while I was in that um, space, God revealed himself to me in his word, revealed himself to me through uh, just different uh, people and I finally had this fear in God. I finally had this, this new journey began when I started to pursue God because I truly believed for myself. It was no longer mom and dad's faith. It was mine. I took ownership of it. So I got out of, uh, of jail and I started to pursue him. I fell flat on my face over and over. And, and I got to this place where my wife and I decided to, to, to do this well. And so we started going to church. Um, we started taking our kids. We were going to Jubilee Christian Center for a season, and then we wanted to plug into a church that was more local, so we found Inroads. And it was at Inroads where, where I got poured into, 
And I had the leaders at Inroads that saw something in myself that I didn't see. And so we got put into ministry. And the thing is, um, to be completely honest with you guys, God is doing us some amazing stuff in our lives. But about three months ago, to be completely transparent with you, I was dealing with some suicidal thoughts. And um, something had happened where um, there was my past kind of surfaced. So what I did, I, you know, as I grew in my faith, I was dealing with, you know, the stuff, but I didn't really unpack the things that I needed to, to unpack. And so I see a therapist every Monday now for the past three months. It's a Christian counselor, and um, God is helping restore some of the things that I neglected. And I need to be honest with you. I got nothing to hide. I'm broken. Um, I know that I'm redeemed, and God is walking me through this. But in order to be fully loved, I must be fully known, and God is doing a mighty work in me. And so I just want to thank uh, Cedars for the opportunity that they're giving me to give you, to draw you closer to me so that I, I can draw closer to you. Because this is what God does with us. And, and I want this to be a time where, where I'm going to preach on unity today. But I think unity happens when I can allow you into my world. A world that God has redeemed. A, a world that God is continuing to sanctify. His grace endures forever. And that's the grace that we all have access to. So thank you. So this is my story. Amen. I love that. God is relentless. Cedars, it is a joy to be with you guys here this morning. Um, I'm here with Community Church. If you're from Community Church, make some noise. Amen. Um, so... Before, I'm going to be teaching from the book of Philemon this morning, but before we do that, I want to do something different. Um, in Hebrews, it says that we are to stir each other up in love. And so at this moment, um, if you are from Community Church, I'm going to ask you to keep, please come up here and stand with me. They're, they're already aware of, of, of what I, I want to do. Um, so please welcome up. <clears throat> So what I want to do right now is, is practice something that Jesus commands us to do. And so I'm not going to ever ask these guys to do something I'm not willing to do first. All right, we got to lead by example. So at this moment, and, and I want to ask everybody to please stand. So they know the drill, and Sunday service for me becomes boot camp. It becomes a, a day where we gather and we experience the presence of God. We're going to encounter him together but we're going to love one another, right? And so when I think about this, what I'm asking them to do, and I'm also inviting this to us all, is we're going to play some music. And when I say go, I want you to first look around this room and just take a look. Make it weird. Look at each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the reality, raise your hand if you've been coming here a while and you have seen somebody at this church every single week and you don't know their name. I'm guilty. Another question, this, this might be less. Raise your hand if you can tell me every single child that goes to this church by name. That's a tough one. We should though, right? Jesus says in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is a model as us as leaders. So I'm going to challenge you guys 
to go up to somebody that, and you guys, to go up to somebody that you never met and you are going to spend time with to sacrifice your time, your energy, your money, your home. Practice the sacrificial love this week. One person this week. If we do this consistently, guess what happens? We become one like the Father and I are one, Jesus says. So play that music and let's love. About five minutes. What's your name? Randy. Randy. Can we get coffee? Huh? Can we get coffee this week? Yeah. Can I get your number? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the house over there in the in the shelter over there. Second chance? Um, yeah. Yeah, me and my me and my girl he's were second chance. Randy, right? coffee this week? Grab coffee? Or so, can we grab dinner or lunch this week? This week? What time? You tell me. Uh, during the day I work. But what about after? That? What about after? Yeah, I can come in here in the evening. Yeah? Well, I'll give you my number. Let me get your number after. Okay. Okay? All right. Testing one, two, testing one, two. All right, let's, uh, let's give it about one, one more minute. One more minute. Try to exchange numbers. We can have everybody slowly go back to your seats. Let's get it, bro. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> See, I don't, 
I don't think I have to preach anymore. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right, all right. Hey, Laura, Laura, can you just kind of sit everybody? Okay. All right, we're going to have everybody have a seat, please. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Tim, are, are all the lights on in here? All the lights are on? Um, all right, who had fun? All right. Who's really going to show up to these uh, dates you guys made? <laughs> all right. The challenge is to be one. So I want to teach from Philemon, but before I teach from Philemon, I want to teach from the foundation of what we stand on, and that foundation is Jesus. Is that Okay. John chapter 17, verses 21. That they may all be one, just as I, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus is saying that the world's belief happens when you and I practice this oneness. What you guys just did is you became one. You weren't isolated, right? You agree? became one. And then Jesus says in John 13, 34, and 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's deep. Because when I examine who Jesus is from start to finish, and I study the scriptures, and I look at him, and I think Jesus in his purest form practiced this love that is so sacrificial. He lays his life down for us. So I want you to imagine you loving the person that you just talked to as Christ loved you. Let that sink in. Like, Christ, before he goes to the cross, he goes down, he wraps a towel around his waist, he's looking at Matt, what's up, Matt? He washes his feet, there's this connection, you tell me about you, I'll tell you everything about me, but now there's this oneness, and anything, anything you need, you let me know, anything you want, if, if, if you need help moving, I'll help you, if you help, need help babysitting, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice for that. Right. <laughs> right? This, this type of sacrificial love that the world will look and say, what's that all about? The world looks at that type of love and, and, and curiosity ensues. And, and that's why I love the Chick-fil-A culture. Right? Who's ever ate a Taco Bell? Yeah. And who's ever ate a Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Now, this is not a moment of promoting uh, Chick-fil-A, but as a Chick-fil-A pastor, um, on the same week, I had ordered uh, food from Taco Bell, 
my wife came back and she was like, the guy got kind of got irritated that I asked him to heat up the chalupa. I was like, well, it's Taco Bell. I get it. But the same week I was eating, so a lot of times when I ask you guys to meet with somebody, I always tell everybody, meet me at Chick-fil-A. The atmosphere is amazing. So I went to Chick-fil-A in the same week, and I watched his kids serve food. He brought the food out, and the guy that he gave the food, the food to was wearing this uh, Spider-Man shirt, and he's like engaging in conversation. You can tell the guy that was not interested in having a conversation. He just wanted his food. He said, like, hey, I really like your shirt, man. And, and he's like, okay, cool. Goes back and sits down, and he's laughing with his friends. Like, that was weird. Like, that was weird. Like, the world's going to see the love in this church and say, what is that all about? And that's the love that Christ is calling us to do. So the book of Philemon, I, I wanted to start this lesson. I want to teach on unity, unity in the church. And I want to teach on five ways to refresh the saints. So in the book of Philemon, um, if, if I can get a mic, is this, is this mic on? Um, okay, let me get two volunteers to read from verses 1 to 12, and then another volunteer to, reach, uh, to read from 13 to 25. I want us all to preach this together. Jordan, thank you very much. <laughs> so Jordan, um, read on the spot. You got it? So you're going to read from 1 to 12. Oh, somebody. Tim. Can we get the mics on, please? Um, so, okay, go ahead and read from. Mic check. There you go. It's working. Everybody hear me? 1 to 12, yeah. <laughs> Philemon 1 to 12? 1 to 12, and then Andy Patrick's going to read 13 to 25. <laughs> All right. Philemon 1 through 12. This is out of the ESV. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Thank you. 1325? Yep. <clears throat> I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might, be, might not be my compulsion, by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than, more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. 
So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greeting to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. All right, give yourselves a round of applause because you just finished a whole book in the Bible, right? Philemon is the shortest book that's written by Paul, but I preached on it last week, but there's like 20 sermons in here. But what I want to touch on is, is how Philemon is like a refreshment to the saints. And to give you a little backdrop, Paul is in a ministry in Ephesus, meets Philemon. Philemon is a well-to-do Roman citizen. He's a patriarch. He has privilege. He has money. Um, we can tell this because he, he has a bondservant named Onesimus. But he ministers, Paul ministers to, to Philemon. Philemon becomes a believer. Paul has a, a co-worker named Epaphras who plants a home church with Philemon. For the two plant a home church in Colossae. The church is planted, but mind you, he's still in this Roman culture where he has slaves. And that bond servant, his name is Onesimus. Onesimus comes to Paul while he's in prison to appeal a situation that happened with Philemon in his home. So Paul doesn't go into detail, but there's conflict in this. So Onesimus runs away, but shows up to prison to appeal his case to Paul, in the process becomes a believer. So now you have two people that Paul led to Christ. One is a Roman citizen, the other is a slave. And so the Paul, Paul writes and begins this letter and he's encouraging Philemon, and he's, he's telling him how much he appreciates his love for God and for Christ, for Christ and for the saints. And it's interesting because the letter just goes on, and he's explaining that, hey, your bondservant Onesimus. Because you got to imagine, you're in prison, and you meet this guy who explains to you what happened, and he's writing this letter like, wait, what should I say to Philemon? How can I encourage him? I need to remind him of the goodness that he has in Christ and who he is. Um, but I got I to gotta let him know that Onesimus, the guy that he has conflict with, is actually was useless to him, but now is useful because he's now part of this family, right, under, under the, the umbrella of Christ. So he writes and he tells him, he says, hey, um, I want you to take Onesimus back, but not as your bondservant, but as your brother in Christ. It goes against culture, right? It goes against the norm. So he says, I want you to take him back. And then actually, if you, when you take him back, um, if he owes you anything, I'll pay anything he owes. Paul is embodying the character of Christ. Paul, like you and I, have been gifted the spirit, the nature of God. So Paul is kind of practicing loving God, but explaining to, to Philemon, you are loving God with all your heart and you're loving the saints. But remember this guy? So today I want to talk about 
the five ways to refresh the saints. Um, I hear of your love. So, one second. Um, Philemon 1 verses 7. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. We need to be like Philemon. Am I, are you a joy and comfort to those who are part of this church? I spent time with um, two kids. So what I just asked you guys to do before was, was something that we've been practicing in our church consistently for the past three weeks. And we bring in praise reports every week. So this week I got to hang, last week I got to hang with Austin, um, who's been coming to community for, for some time, but this is my first time sitting with him. And I always take, it's like, if you want to meet with me, we're going to meet at Chick-fil-A. So the same thing, yes, support Chick-fil-A. Um, but then the same, uh, on Wednesday or uh, Thursday, I called Serenity, who is four, and Destiny is her cousin, who is five. And I called uh, Anthony and Crystal and asked them if I can pick their kids up and take them to my daughter's game. Now, you know, you think about how do you measure success? You know, you have different responses that this world has. And when I look at my position as a pastor, the way I measure success is when I walk in a room and if the kids are excited to see me, then I'm doing something right. So when I showed up to their house, right, they knew I was coming. They are like, yeah, like just super excited. They're in the car, they're being goofy, I'm being goofy, but I got to experience and love on these young kids because discipleship doesn't happen, um, you know, t- towards people that you're same age, same interest. I'm discipling these, these two young girls alongside my own daughters. So we go to the game and, and I get to hear from Crystal explaining to me, these girls won't stop talking about you, right? And I'm like, yeah, because they're feeling the love of Jesus in me, right? And so that's the joy that Paul is reminding Philemon about. John seven thirty eight. whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You and I can be an oasis of living water for part saints. We must remember Jesus came to serve, not be served. I don't want this church thing to be a social club. I want this to be a place where I, I, I seek those who need encouragement. I seek, you know, you think about our mar- we're in this invisible marathon, right? You know, marath- I know Tim's not here, so he, so he won't get offended. But I hate marathons. I mean, hate watching marathons. I kind of hate them too. But you know the favorite part about watching a marathon is those little people with the little cups on the side of the road. I'm like, dang, that must feel really good to run alongside and you just have this little sip of cold water. Are we that type of refreshment to the saints when you show up to church? Do you get excited to come to this gathering? When you and I understand that we are living stones to the temple of God, it's not this building, but you are living stone and Jesus is the cornerstone. And I think we miss it when we don't understand that he is in our presence. The living God is in our presence. So when we walk out of here and you look at Moses, Moses comes down to Mount Sinai and he's glowing. Are we walking out of here experiencing and encountering the living God that we are able to be a light to this dying world? Are we? And we have to train ourselves. This is why this is boot camp. I call it boot camp and Super Bowl Sunday. 
me and my team, we, we really are, are intentional on making sure that people experience God through his word and through our love for the saints. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. The ministry of refreshment is so important to Jesus that he wants us to know the reward is there for those who give it. You're telling me, Jesus, there's a reward for giving people an ice-cold cup of water? That's like stealing candy from a baby. Like, like when I come to church that there's a reward for the love that I show you? Like, I mean, I grant it, okay, I appreciate the reward, but this is too easy, y'all. This is too easy that we can come to this place and choose somebody new every week. Because if I, if I call somebody new to, to meet with every week, right, we do this consistently. 52 days, that's 52 people. Or 52 weeks, that's 52 people or 52 families. The unity in here, the oneness that Jesus is calling will, will happen, right? And imagine if every single person knew the kids by name. A lot of times in church, kids just kind of walk past us. They're at, they're at this level, so we don't see them. But a world and a church that is so mindful of these kids where we're spending time and we know them by name, it changes and shifts the culture of the church. Unity will happen. Talk back to me. I like that. <laughs> I hear... So the first way to refresh the saints is to love God and trust in him. I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards Lord, the Lord Jesus. Find in, intimacy with God. Proverbs 3 verses 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Psalm 31 verse 23. Love the Lord all you saints. Psalm or Philippians 1 6. Uh, it's not up here but. One of my favorite passages is, to him who began a good work in you will perform it into the day of Christ Jesus. The moment you have faith, something supernatural happens where the living God says, I'm going to come live here. Right? And when he comes live here, he doesn't leave you there. I ain't perfect, but God is doing a mighty work in me. I'm still being sanctified. I have been saved. I'm being saved, and I will be saved. Amen? So we got to operate from that, from that posture. Anyone who, do, who does not love, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Love is a verb. Everybody say love is a verb. Is a verb. We got to act on this love. My dad would sing this song. He would sing, uh, love is the key to everything we do. Jesus is the source of it all. And I love that the, the, the love that I get to show people, they're like, why do you love this way? And that's just an opportunity for me to tell them it's the Jesus living in me that allows me to do this. Because the old Barry didn't care about nobody but himself. And I'm so grateful that God comes in and he does this mighty work in each of us. 1 John 4, verses 7. Beloved, let us love one another for God is... For love is from God. Oh, I just read that. Um, okay, so there's this... So we, we, we tell our team, right, um, we have our staff meetings, and we, we talk about 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we have to be intentional with our time with the Lord. And, and when that when we come, we come to church on Sundays, we're able to give the people what we have. You can't give somebody something you don't have. So the, intim- it, the intimacy with God is so important. It's like this big bowl, like consider your life like it's this big bowl water basin that Monday is just pouring, Jesus is pouring into me. Tuesday, you're pouring into me. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you're pouring into me. By Sunday, I have something to offer. I have something to give. And so, two is to love the saints. I don't have enough time to finish the sermon. Sorry, guys. But hopefully they invite me back. Uh, <laughs> love the saints, okay? Uh, Luke 10, verses 27. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You don't even think about it. You, you feed yourself, right? You clothe yourself. You find a job. You do everything you can to take care of self. I'm supposed to love you the same way I love myself. I'm supposed to go out of my way and put your interest before mine. Philemon 1 verses 5. I hear of your, I hear of your love and the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. Philemon understood the greatest commandment was to love God and his neighbor. 1 John 3.18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Love is a verb. Talk is cheap. Let's act upon upon the truths that we know. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? This verse was really convicting for me because I had to ask myself, the world's good that I hold. Okay, I got a lot of clothes. Okay, I have a car. Okay, I have a home. And I want to highlight like, so I live with my in-laws. My wife and I live with our in-laws. And that place, and that home is where we started home church, but that home has also been a place of sanctuary for those in need. Some shelter. It's tough when it's not your own home, but when we ask our in-laws if they would be willing to open their doors to love on the people that we have been connecting with, I love that they said if you trust them, that we trust them too. Because now when we're loving on those people, our in-laws are experiencing the type of love that God shows us. And so in the same way, I leave town, I have a vehicle, how... The world won't think this way, but the God in me is saying, okay, if you leave town, there's some people that you know that need a car. Why don't you give them your car while you're gone? The world says, wait, what? Why, why would you do that? Because of Jesus. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We need to speak God's truth into people's lives. Share his promises. 1 John three sixteen. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Now that's radical. Everybody say radical. Radical. The love that you have for each other needs to be a radical love. The common way to love is how the world loves. But the radical love is looking at Jesus and the way he did it and the people he hung out with and trying to emulate that. But you can't do it on your own strength. This is why you've been given his spirit his nature. But the way you manifest that is in his word. If I don't study the word of God and I don't walk to the places that Jesus walked, I can't fully understand. And that's why he tells us to be active in sharing your faith 
because you will grow in the, if everything that is within you. Three, and I'm going to close with this. I want to apologize. There's way too much in this. There's a lot of meat. But to share your faith. Commercial break. Um, Wednesday nights from 6.30, come to Cedars. We do a Bible study. We get deep in it. If you guys want to come, we talk about sharing your faith. And that's why I'm asking you guys to engage one another. Because if you become familiar with sharing your faith with the saints, when you're out in the world, it becomes second nature. I'm not saying that you can't just do that already. I believe that you can. But the people that, that really are consistently about sharing their faith, I love what Jordan said to, to us in Bible study. He said, when I engage people and tell them about my faith, there's opportunities where they ask me questions that I don't have answers to. So I go home and do the research and examine the word on my own. And because I do that, I'm able to know everything that's within me. He only can engage the word by engaging in people who have questions. A lot of people have questions. We have the answers. But a lot of times you won't, you won't know these questions if you're not engaging. And so it's a challenge for us. But I want to close with this. Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of salvation to those who believe. Everybody in here has this. There's a dying world out there that is going to die and perish if you don't share it. And when I can think about that, and Jesus says, I am patient. My, that God is patient, what some call slowness, that no one, sh- that not willing that any should perish, but that all reach repentance. It's mine and your duty. We have this amazing gift, but we can't hold it to ourselves we have to share it with the world. Amen? Amen. And I just want to encourage us to be intentional with this love and understand that it's the power of salvation to those who believe. Be blessed.